0: And now we've moved to just an an endless fields of white space and mobile friendly with, you know, drop down menus and hamburger buttons. And from a performance perspective, obviously, that makes a big difference if you're trying to pull up a website on a 3G or weak LTE phone. On the other hand you know, we've lost a little bit of flair, right? Well, I mean, apps can't document-driven
1: web. It can be full of shenanigans. It's like a newspaper ad, right? Like, that's what this website looks like, that Ling's Cars (laughs) looks like a newspaper ad in a a tabloid from, you know, 1995. And, I mean, you can still buy the New York Post, and I'm sure half the car ads kind of look like this. Crazy Memorial Day deals! And... (laughs) I mean, so we lose that because yeah. we're dealing, we're building software instead of documents.
0: Hey, everybody! This week's episode is brought to you by Couchbase. Couchbase is an open-source NoSQL document and key-value store database. It requires no external cache, supports SQL and analytic queries for JSON data. And Couchbase supports technologies like Kubernetes, Java, .NET, JavaScript, Go, and Python. Download it today at couchbase.com slash stackoverflow and let them know we sent you. (laughs) Here we are. Yeah, I'll tell you what. where it all went wrong. On this day in 1999, Napster launched. And if only we had let that thing live, you know, maybe a kinder, gentler tech industry would have been born. A freer more libertarian, progressive. No, I'm just kidding. Napster was fun, though. No, (laughs) (laughs) I I think
1: that this is a very meaningful conversation. It it really is, which is that an enormous amount of the, the pressure that is being brought in our society right now, is directly due to extremely centralized platforms. So Facebook and Twitter, obviously. That's a good
2: point. Yeah, Yeah,
1: but also, also like, we only have increasingly few media sources owned by very large orgs, et cetera. And, like, I don't think, I don't need to go full Noam Chomsky on everyone, but what you're seeing is that that is, just from a practical point of view, it scales in a weird way, which allows for lots of bad information to get out, and communication becomes harder in times of stress. And so I keep thinking there have always been efforts to, like, re-decentralize the web, right? Like, let's make a new Facebook or a new Twitter. And there are many out there, and they're great. And I actually think that activists are moving, using them more and more, right? But you just—this, to me, is, is showing tremendous fault lines on those consolidated platforms. Whereas the peer-to-peer stuff like Napster, you know, it's going to seem surreal that people were getting robo-sued for $3,000 each— Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like we, they, I I don't think people will realize like the, the actual pressure that came down against music piracy from the industry and from the law was so large that it basically shut down this open network. And that model went out of the running and instead things like Spotify came together to get all the music into one place. What I'm noticing And this is what's, I'm going to say something really abstract, and maybe you guys can tell me what you think about it. Because I was thinking about this last night when I couldn't get to bed, which is that when you centralize and you create a single platform, you're always optimizing for hits. And so, like, why isn't there a centralized platform for journalism? Journalism is actually not hit-based. It's news-based. It's got to keep moving and moving and moving. And you want to know what's new, but rarely is there, like, a really popular news article like it might get a couple million
0: impressions but then it's done it's people aren't going to come back to it right it's not a it's not a drake single it doesn't do a billion streams no news story does a billion streams
1: and so spotify what spotify really does right it's just optimize around those hits those people get paid out fine and then everyone else kind of has to be there because that's where listeners are, that's where attention is. But boy, if if you get down on that long tail, you're making pennies, like you can't survive on it, right? Facebook and Twitter, same thing. Like millions of likes, great. And then you'll just see the same tweet. Like I saw there was a tweet of cars going into protesters in New York City. I probably saw it 300 times as I was scrolling on my phone, like just constant. And so, I mean, I wonder how do you build a system that is financially exciting which may not be possible with VC funding, that would get people involved and that isn't optimized for hits. And it, it feels like you'd have to hack human psychology in order to do that. Mm.
0: Paul, have you ever heard of this funky thing called the blockchain
1: though? Uh, well, see, so you no, know there is that, right? That is an actual attempt to decentralize and build it in at the protocol level.
0: Yeah,
2: the tough thing there is like monetizing, right? Always, right? Like the if it's not, there's been a few people that have tried to do this, right? optimize not for hits but for content and like value of content and things like that but the problem is so many of these networks monetize based on ads and that kills ads like you can't monetize on ads when you're you're not optimizing for eyes so you know how do you monetize in that way can you find a hundred thousand people that'll give you five dollars a month who knows i think that's where, where a lot of those platforms die
1: well, and they're, when they're, they they got to become a really good product, yeah. right? Like people only use good products. So I will say, Signal has become a good product. It wasn't at first, which is a it's a more peer to peer encrypted communications platform. But in general, product talent, product development, engineering, and design talent goes where there is money and where there are other product managers and designers and engineers. And I mean, I don't think this is like some shocking expose of capitalism. I run a company where I try to hire very talented people because I can pay them well. And (laughs) you guys work at Stack, right? Like, I mean, I don't, like, I'm not, like, I'm not tearing open the gates here. But I think that those decentralized systems have maybe one one one-thousandth of the resources of, you know, or one one one-millionth in the case of Facebook, right? Like, just incredibly tiny sets of resources. And so people see those experiences. You know, this reminds me of is open source software, where it's like, you know, Linux on the desktop. Because it's, I mean, how are you going to motivate somebody
0: to use that unless they are politically motivated? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. One thing I want to shout out before we move on is that there's like this idea that you can't get paid that well as a musician on Spotify. But really what it gets back to is that there used to be these huge winners that were huge, even if they weren't at the very top. Like you'd come out with the number one selling CD for a week, but you'd move half a million copies. And that was a big chunk of change. Right. And now people actually typically, when, like if you're a subscriber to Spotify, like I am, and you pay $12, $15 a month or something, you're spending more every year than the average person ever did on CDs. Like, you know, if, if I were to buy a CD every month or something like that, that would have been pretty unusual behavior. I mean, maybe not for like a go, you know, a diehard teen music lover, but the average American wasn't buying a CD every month. I used to spend probably like $150 a month. Wow. On I was bananas. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, cause that's yeah.
1: 10 CDs. So I'd buy a hundred CDs yeah. a year, maybe, maybe 150, right.
0: but most people, yeah. Yeah. But the average, the average was that people spent like, I think it was like 80 or $90 a year buying music. And now I might spend one forty, and that should go out to people. But the issue is that Spotify has to take some, the, oh, yeah. the, middle, the middlemen have to take some, and then, you know, the, the artist gets whatever is left over. And so if you're not at the very top, it's really hard, but was it ever not really hard for like musicians who didn't break it big? Of course they just, you know. you know they were living in a shack and going on tour and living you know the artist's life right i mean like no i know i know i don't think there's some middle class of musicians that's been gutted by this is what i think is i'm trying to say oh i think there is a little bit no
1: i think that there was like a there was a way that you could make a more of a living and it was a little less touring and you could sell some cds and merch and yeah it's harder now it is definitely harder but i
0: mean at least that might be at least that's what the musicians say but who can yeah right (laughs) <laughs> on the other hand, you can just grab a nine-inch nail sample, throw it up on SoundCloud, and, you know, next thing you know, you're graduating high school in Denmark with a billion-dollar single in your pocket. So, you know, there's openness. There's openness. That's what's
1: on road. Right? I mean, this is the world we live in, right? Like, it is, <laughs> at some level, it's okay to lament for lost opportunity, but it also, like, yeah. it is fascinating to see what is coming. Which is why I think I'm in tech. I mean, I just, you know, I'm looking at, as in in this world of chaos, I'm looking at this, speaking of chaos, I'm looking at the Stack Exchange top questions. And it's wild to see Stack's agenda and the current political situation just kind of juxtaposed. Like, I've got, how do I get a new player to stop rewriting my game to match his favorite fiction? And then I've got, how many members of Antifa in the US? Yeah. one yeah. is in politics and one
0: is in world building. We're trying we're trying to build a better world, but it ain't easy. All right. There was a story that came out in the May issue of Increment, which is the magazine, like a sort of tech publication run by Stripe, right? And I've written it. for Increment. They're and very Paul's nice. Paul's written for Increment. They're very They're nice. They're very nice, yes. And it was on the rise of React. And I thought it was really interesting. First of all, it it, it gives a big shout out to the World Wide Web of 1999, and directs you uh, to check out. Shout out out. right back at you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Maximalist, you know? Uh, Took a long time to load on your 54K bod, but man, did it have all the bells and whistles. Mm. And so shout out to Ling's Cars, a secondhand car dealership in Northeast England.
1: Oh, that's a famous website, yeah. Still going. Just truly
0: retro. Yeah. Oh, wait,
2: I haven't seen this. Tell me about
0: it. It's just lingscars.com. And it is gorgeous. It hasn't changed a day since GeoCities left. It's L I N G, right? L I N G S C A R S dot com. We'll put it in the show notes. There you um, go. But yeah, it's bring really, this. Spe- really special. Um, oh, there it is. That's what. I yeah.
2: Oh, that's beautiful. Now,
1: now here's the thing: is that this used to not be quite so ironic, and and then they realized what they were up to. Yeah. And now it's. Very right. kind of tongue in cheek. It is like nineties Geo City style, like yeah. full smash. Yeah. Selling cars though. Selling cars. Yeah,
2: moved. I'll buy a car from this. What you've got with React is
1: software. You're building components and boy, you gotta get that under control because if you don't, it'll go completely bananas without right. without like just it just wants to explode all over everything. Yeah, uh, can you imagine
2: well, building components for this page? <laughs>
1: Exactly. Right. Like each car. Well, I mean, the reality is like kind of. Yeah, you, you can- kind of can. You can't accept that Like the-, the weirdness gets lost when everything uses the same CSS style sheet.
2: Yeah. It's really hard to do like, oh uh, yeah, these different colors. And I, I mean, mean, you can.
1: You can. But just in general, it's seen as consistency is usually seen as a feature. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, I know what I'm looking at. I'm looking at a car listing, and then you know when we're presenting, when we do mocks or envision prototypes, right? You're presenting that one car view, and you're promising that all the cars will look roughly like this, and people go,
0: oh, Yeah, that's how I want cars to look. I know that's what to not- expect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to give you, I mean, the devil's argument, uh, the devil's advocate here was that, you know, for your Facebooks and your Twitters and your other big people, this kind of modularity is super useful. And that has become a way of thinking that, you know, a lot of folks have adopted. On the other hand, uh, says somebody here in this article, I can't find them. When I'm making a website, I often don't have need for that extreme modularity. And moreover, it can be a drain on a resource drain that tends not to be worth it. So is there something to that if you're smaller independent web, whatever, like maybe React-based design is not ideal for you?
2: Well, I think that if you're saying that if it's a smaller website, I think it's not that the React-based design isn't appropriate. It's just sometimes over-engineering if you're just, if you're building something small.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, if you're, what are your goals, right? Are your goals to communicate a few things about your organization, make sure that the SEO is good, and have people look at it and go, these are smart people who are consistent in their thinking? You don't need React in any way, shape, or form. You need, like, a Squarespace.
2: Yeah. Right. You know? You, yeah.
1: Or, or plain <laughs> HTML. and. Right. With a couple CSS style sheets and you are good to go. If you are building an interactive experience on the web where people can manage, you know, some aspect of their email or do calendaring or like do all the things that we do as software as a service, you need some kind of front end framework because the web just truly deep down isn't built for that. It can do it because it's the most flexible medium that's probably ever existed in the history of humankind. But you got to No, it is. I mean, even, you know. What? You don't have to put the CD on Like software just comes. I hit a button, I, I go to a thing and the software I just love loads. hearing
0: your I love hearing your love for the web just flow out of you.
1: It's still yeah. there's still <laughs> nothing like it. Like everybody <laughs> has tried to be like, well, it's dead now and it's like, "Oh, is it?" It never <laughs> dies. It never <laughs> dies. And I love that. I mean, it's that yeah. just it's sheer awfulness. Like you hear old people older programmers like, "No, well, this is not to it. It should be a list machine." You're like, "I it should." Hold on, let me go to stack and and ask if the
0: web should be a list machine. Another interesting thing I read in this article, which I think comes back to a bunch of what we've been talking about with big codes and the open web and open source, was that, you know, React came to exist but uh, then, you know, Facebook became kind of the chief steward and then there was a back and forth about these patent clauses and whether or not people should be adopting it say at WordPress and if that, you know, would be creating issues for them in the future. And so the Apache Software Foundation placed the patent law the patent clause outside of its list of allowed licenses and then Facebook eventually turned around and put React and Justin Flow under the MIT license. So like there was a win there, yeah. There was like that kind of realization that to make this continue to work at scale, you need to follow these newer, better practices or no.
1: This is the world head. of Sarah Chips.
2: Wait, are were you tagging me in?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I really am because it's just, it's about large organizational licensing challenges and what they mean, which yeah. if you are a day-to-day programmer, you're like, oh my God, shut up nerds, which is what people are usually saying to you.
2: Yeah, but, um, <laughs> I've had I, approximately 100 hours worth of meetings since the beginning of this year regarding licensing. Oh, oh, oh. It's like,
1: sorry, it's literally my worst. I, I swear to God, I'm not doing this ironically. Thank you for your service. It is the yeah. worst part of our world. I cannot, I'll do it, but it's horrible. Yeah.
2: Well, it's yeah. like, the, it's the thing where like law, it's funny. I just had actually one of these conversations go really well when everyone was really preparing for it to go horribly. Um, it's, it's a funny thing because <laughs> when, le- it's like in software, we like to really throw around lots of opinions and lots of thoughts and yeah. really play devil's advocate all the time. But the thing is when legal, like the second that legal things get involved, it mm-hmm. becomes much more sensitive and you're setting yourself up for all types of, you can't be as free in your conversations. Mm-hmm. Recently, I got to see an open source project change its license you know it's just something that open source projects do and right. it was sponsored by a foundation which is something you can't do when you're sponsored by a foundation really and there was just you have to strategize oh, so about they just how- were
1: like hey we're, we're we're using this license now and the foundation yeah. was like um that's not our deal
2: yeah you just messed okay. up everything for us type of thing like and the people didn't know, but everyone w- you had there's like a lot of work that went into the strategy of confronting the conversation and like because these things become so sensitive. so it's not right it's it's not the place I think where most software developers shine
1: mm. or mm. yeah oh no one of the, one of the great things for me was my co-founder at, at my company Postlight is a lawyer and I would never. Advice: if you can get a lawyer co-founder for anything you do i strongly recommend it because yeah. you just don't you don't live in fear they see lawyers see contracts as, in the same way that you or i might see like a library of code you're just they're just like oh interesting huh how's that one work oh, i don't like it and then you know i'll use this one instead and they're very it's fear right like everything with contracts just invokes terrible fear with people and and it, and it gets to territoriality and anger really quickly. And like, what do I get to do? And you're not allowed to do that. And, and, and actually, I have to say, like the law, they're always trying to like check the constitution in on GitHub. People think the law is like code, <laughs> maybe yeah. a little, but yeah. it is, it's, co- it's code for humans, not code for computers.
2: Right. And there's a lot of amateur lawyering. Like there's oh. just like a lot, there's like, it's if not, you're code,
0: not... Yeah. not code for humans, code for lawyers. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not even, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me most of the time.
1: Well, Wow. Yeah. Sarah, you've seen some amateur lawyering in the, in the programming community. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm shocked, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but wait, back up a minute. I were, you know, you were saying that this stuff can be really painful, but my question initially was did things sort of end up, working out in a in a in a good way with React because of pressure applied by folks in the community and because of, you know, folks like the Apache Software Foundation, like, did we move that, you know, overall in the right direction towards a less restrictive, less legal, you know, less threatening thing where now it's safer to work with React because you know they had to they had to confront a choice where people said we don't want to we don't want to mess around with this if your patents might come back to bite us it's
1: worth breaking this down. so what it was was that wordpress had used react internally for calypso it's it's sort of what they is the uh, wordpress.com framework that yeah. they use on the front end when you are making your wordpress.com blog and then they have a new modular system called gutenberg for editing which is very good it's just like it's a very good piece of code and at one point They were using, they built in React and they were going to use it for Calypso, but there was a a patent protection provision. And they Mm. realized we can't ship a third of the web pages in the world are produced by WordPress. Like, we can't ship this to hundreds of thousands and millions of people with this license because it's not compatible with our license and we will blow Mm. up our whole world. And so they gave up. They were like, all right, well, we're just not going to use React. And Facebook, because Facebook had said no, we're not going to change anything. And actually, once they publicly said, "Hey, we're going to go in this direction. It'll take a little longer, but it'll be better." We're not going to use React. Facebook actually came around. I was like, "Oh, wait. You know what? Okay, we can work this out. Let's get rid of yeah. this clause and relicensed, and all is well." All yeah, is good. Go. that's a
2: that's a huge that's a huge effort to relicense in that way. But I bet mm-hmm. because it seems like WordPress is big enough that yeah. making that change sounds worth it.
1: Well, I mean, the choice they were going to make—it was, you know, patent protection provisions are really kind of arbitrary structures, right? Like, and, mm-hmm. and so the choice they were going to make is: we could have our software shipped to millions of websites and used yeah. to create stuff and and sort of grow the community that way, or not. Like or that not. was the, and so they <laughs> right. they made that right. choice. Honestly, they might have made the other choice, and it would have been everything would have been okay. Right, Right? like, And WordPress would have just written, you know, Word React or React Press. And we would have all moved on and been like, well, licensing. But it is nicer when everybody can kind of not reproduce everybody else's effort due to weird legal clauses. All
0: right, y'all. We are at time. I'm going to read a lifeboat and we'll say our goodbyes. This question is written in a very strange way, but I'm just going to make my way through it. It says... Flutter my homepage, parentheses key key this title, colon super parentheses key key. Please, anyone explain clearly with an example, Flutter. So, thank you to Gunther Zorb Zorbach for taking the time to figure out if that was a question and then answer it because you awesome. got a lifeboat, my friend. The code is a constructor of the my homepage widget, and this is. You have two options for setting your parameters. So thank you. All right. Thanks to Gunter. Appreciate the lifeboats. Appreciate people who connect and share knowledge in our community. Stay safe out there. Get in touch with us at podcast at stackoverflow.com. And you can find me, Ben Popper, director of content on Twitter at Ben Popper.
2: I'm Sarah Chips, director of content here at Stack Overflow. And you can find me at Sarah J at twitter.com.
0: I'm Paul Ford. I'm
1: the co-founder of a product development company called Postlight. You can find us at postlight.com and on Twitter, I'm at F train. Awesome.